0: <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Coping with Alcoholism in Gaming.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry,
0: I mean, alternate history in superhero gaming. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: right. Well, thanks for coming, everybody. My name is Shane Ivey, and... Uh, Dennis Detweller here and I run Art Publishing and we do some games that have involved superheroes and alternate history and that's been a lot of fun and Kenneth Haidt is with us and he 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 helped with those same games. Well, he helped with Wild Talents. Yeah, Godlike was pretty much just in Greg, mm-hmm. who is Greg Stolzey, yeah. and um, and he's done stuff like that too. So we're here to talk about uh, superheroes in uh, alternate histories, primarily game related RPGs, because that's what we mostly do. So. Um, Let's see. Did anybody have prepared remarks?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: oh, I, I would, I would so love to pull out a giant wad yeah, of right. papers and start reading. Preamble. Yes. Yeah. So, you uh, published my prepared remarks on the topic. Show, <laughs> so <laughs> you tell
2: me. So buy wild talents, and uh, that'll tell you what Ken has to say That's on the beautiful. matter. Um, so yeah, in the uh, in the meantime, um, I guess you know what 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 interests me about. The uh, about the about using alternate history in a deep way with, with superheroes is that, um, is that you can you can use that to sort of explore the characters a little better. You know, um, I've played a lot of superhero games that have been primarily about um, the colorful costumes and who could win the fist fight. Um, although sometimes it's a mind fight, you know, or a telekinesis fight or, or a stretch fight or whatever. And
3: all of those stretch are interesting. entertaining. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> You've been playing some very specialized games. All my punches are <laughs> <and> bouncing <laughs> off. This is that elongated man, Mr. Fantastic <laughs> thing that they wouldn't publish. <laughs> So uh, You know those ones where Lana Lang takes the serum and becomes Elastigirl? This is like that, but without Elastigirl. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, so there's that. So, um...
2: <laughs> but uh, what was I saying okay I don't so, know. so alternate histories so uh, you know uh, you know what, what I like about about exploring the alternate history stuff is that you know you can sort of you, you can use that to key off what the characters are all about you know and then use the characters and the decisions the players are making to explore a little more deeply what the setting is going to be about and they can kind of work together um, if you're just doing a game on the fly you can kind of do that as you go to some extent although it helps to do a little bit of groundwork um, you know what we've done with, with Wild Talents and, and especially with Godlike is do a good bit of thinking ahead of time about what shape the history is going to take and what that says about the kind of characters you're going to play and vice versa you know, what kind of characters do you want to play and what kind of action do you want them in and what does that say about the, um, about the, the alternate history of the setting that you're developing mm-hmm. with Wild Talents we sort of reverse engineered everything that Dennis especially had done with Godlike in order to um, you know, develop all these tools for doing it yourself you know, and turning the dials in different directions to say, you know, if you don't want it to be quite so much Saving Private Ryan in your World War II superhero game and more Hogan's heroes in your World War II superhero <laughs> game, you know, here, here's the way to deal with the superpowers and here's what that's going to say about the characters and the setting. And uh, Ken did the, did the heavy lifting on the sort of narrative, thematic, big picture stuff in Wild Talents about, you know, what those dials are and how to turn them so uh so that's that's kind of that, that's my that's my take on it that 's what I dig about it and you know in and, and, and uh is the interaction between
0: the character and and setting you know and what that does for the players and i'll expand on that by suggesting that it's the nature of the superhero genre that it kind of gives you permission to really pop the hood and tinker with history and look at what's going on in a way that a straight World War II game, you know, you're going to be like, well, you know, I I don't really want to get into, well, what happens if D-Day fails? Because you feel you don't have the permission to spin that off if it's a gritty, realistic uh, World War II game, because, you know, who are you to say that that could have happened? No, we know all this, you know, we have all this evidence and scholarly stuff, but once you put... The uh, the miracle exceptions in now you have you know you've loosened the corset uh, so to speak and and Ken wait a minute I don't, I don't like where that that's going uh, wrong, wrong seminar <laughs> yeah uh, but you have gotten permission to you say you know okay look if this is changed you can't complain about the little changes we've changed the big thing. So now people feel that they have some ownership of the setting. That, you know, and the reason that superheroes are such a powerful uh, tool for that kind of examination is that the whole nature of them is that they are larger than life and more powerful than you and that they can do things that normal people just can't. So the idea that one guy, you know, one ordinary soldier, can change the course of D Day, that boggles the mind. The idea that one guy with Superman's powers can change the course of D-Day much easier to accept. Though one of the things we did very, very deliberately with Godlike was to say that, you know, okay, look, we're going to really throw the, the scale of this war into, uh, you know, into relief by putting superhumans in the middle of it and saying, you know what, they don't make that big of a difference. You know, great. You can take apart a part of tank with your bare hands. You know. Your chopped how, head. <laughs> how many are at the front?
3: Yeah, yeah You're going to be busy. It, it, well, it's, it's <laughs> like I said in the, in the Wild Talents. You know, you have the power... You know, you're one man with the power of a tank. There's 10,000 tanks on the front of Kirst. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're one ten-thousandth of, of the battlefront. Uh, that still, um, uh, that, that adds a level of personal, uh, you know, it, a larger variety of stories that you can tell about your character because you can, in fact, punch a tank. But you're allowed then, uh, what Greg was saying, you have the permission to change history. You also have the permission... To keep it relatively the same. Superman is one of those hard cases because if you have the powers of Superman, there was a very early uh, Superman comic where Superman flies to Moscow and grabs Stalin. He flies to Berlin and grabs Hitler. Yeah. And he flies to Rome and grabs Mussolini. Takes them all to the Hague and puts them down in front of the yeah. you know uh, the international uh, tribunal and ends World War II like that. Yeah. And you're saying, well, if you if you are Superman, yeah. what is preventing you from doing that? And Roy Thomas had to come up with a bunch of mishaps about the Spear of Destiny. Yeah. And you once you start doing that, it stops being about the war and stops being about the reason you're setting a story in World War II and starts being just another sort of weirdly constrained superhero story. So one of the keys I would suggest for doing a superhero's alternate history combination is saying which one is supporting the other one, Mm -hmm. right? If the superheroes are there to support the alternate history, you can have, you know, a Captain Confederacy. And, And what does that guy say about the Civil War, about the nature of the Confederacy, about the nature of eugenics and race theory in the South? Or... You can have it, it, so if, if uh, the the, the hero is supporting the war there, or you can have you know Hitler uh, the the, um, uh, the rocket ship from Krypton crashes in Bavaria, not in Kansas. Hitler is raised to be um, a good um, uh, uh, member of the National Socialist and Volk, and now what happens? And now we're letting the superhero story yeah. drive the alternate history, not the other way around. And so it becomes you know the desperate struggle against evil is even more desperate. Yeah, and, right. you know, maybe you have to have your Batman analog and your uh, Hawkman analog and your Hourman analog and all the other justice society are barely capable of holding back the, the, Uber, the Ubermensch. Right. And that becomes your story. So you can sort of drive it from either direction.
0: Yeah. yeah. When I did Progenitor, um, I didn't have, like, a giant ar- the, the arc of the whole story. If you're not familiar with Progenitor... It takes uh, sort of a point source superhero idea that in 1968, this very ordinary woman in Kansas is imbued with Superman level powers. They're not like Superman's. She's super. She's extremely versatile. Uh, but you know, okay. So what's she going to set out to do? Well, stop the war in Vietnam, obviously, because she's seeing the footage from the Tet Offensive and it's awful. And she can't just sit back and do nothing now that she can do everything. But what she doesn't realize is that her powers are contagious and that anyone who survives exposure to them will develop powers of their own to a certain level, and then those people, their progeny, and it spreads out. So I just started with that and worked from 1968 through uh, 1999 and really you know, tried to work around the idea of, okay, no, what would people do what would horrible people do if they had godlike powers? What would terribly selfish people do? What would good people, what would bad people, what would noble people do? And how would all this interact? And very soon, I'm like, okay, history is going to go completely off the rails very, very rapidly, and that's fine. That's what I wanted to have happen, and that a few things that did stay the same between this radically divergent progenitor-verse and our, uh, you know, and reality, I, I wanted those to sort of pop up almost like Easter eggs for the reader. And it's like, oh, huh, I wonder why Operation Blue Star survived. All that other and all this other stuff got junked. Yeah, Wild Talents was basically
4: that. And it was born of two very specific things. One was the first issue of The Amazing Spider-Man. And the, the other was the Nightcrawler sequence in X2. Um, and the first issue of The Amazing Spider-Man, he's racked for money. It's the origin story. His Aunt May. And he invents steel webs with household materials from under his sink. Uh, And he's worried about his aunt being able to pay the mortgage. And my immediate thought is, God, Peter, you're really
2: stupid. Yeah. <laughs> He's, really P- smart? Yeah. But stupid. yeah.
4: Peter, the true story is Peter Parker skips off to Dupont and becomes a billionaire at seventeen. <laughs> yeah. um, that was one. The second was Nightcrawler. He can teleport, you know, fifteen or twenty feet, uh, and he, he basically brings the Western world to its knees in fifteen or twenty seconds, teleporting very short distances into the, into the Oval Office to kill the president, mm-hmm. and no one can stop him they barely stopped him and those two this thoughts, teeny little power, Yeah, those two thoughts together was uh... godlike controlled superpowers they're very focused it's all about belief and reality and you can outbelieve others and stop them wild talents is all, the, all those bets are off anybody can do anything what would happen to the world and the answer is uh... it's just gonna go off off the edge of a cliff yeah. really quickly
3: um, Which is why when you're actually trying to create a a world that you can play in or that you can get buy-in to from your players, you need to set the boundaries first and then make up your super physics afterwards. Because otherwise, like Greg says, you start applying rational... You know, uh, extrapolation to things yeah. or rational extrapolation to just one issue of Spider Man, not even the whole Marvel universe, yeah. which explodes in a massive <laughs> contradiction, but just the one issue. And my classic version of that is the second Spider Man movie where Doc Ock is robbing banks with his nanotech powered right. uh, yeah. artificial yeah. <laughs> arms so he can build his fusion reactor. Yeah. And it's like, excuse me, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, Norm think... Seamus, Business Week, I have a question. <laughs>
4: He plunked out of basic business. Have
3: have you patented the magic arms on your back?
2: he oh. oh. business.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's
3: right yeah. um, no matter the, how uh, worthwhile and, that and, is, and so obviously the, the the, 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 the purpose of overpower. of the of the spider man uh <laughs> stories and the Marvel Universe in general is that regardless of what's happening, the world remains the recognizable world of our day, and Barack Obama is president, and yeah. everything else that is true now is pretty much true and there's spider man yes yeah. and so They assume that it's an unexamined assumption. They don't ask why that happens. I mean, maybe the watcher covered it at some issue of what if or something, but mostly it's just the way the universe works. And in Wild Talents, I tried to make that explicit and say, here's the dials, here's the settings that you just need to use to make sure that your world is recognizable, if that's what you want. And then here's a few handy excuses you can use in-game yeah. to explain why they work. I loved those. Yeah, yeah. D- I
0: mean, I, Not to fun,
4: but those were great. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, but uh, DC, to a certain point, was all about the powers, and Marvel, I would posit, was all about the feelings. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm a family man. I'm a teenager. We're a group of weird teenagers. It, it was a completely yeah. different model. They weren't worried about the actual effects. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure Stan Lee at some point was like, you know what? This doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, what the hell? He's, mm-hmm. he's a crazy kid. He's going to have fun. Deadline. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah, it was a different Here's time but I mean and now you're seeing the result of you know 40, 50 years of that which is like oh my god we've got to reboot everything again what are we going to do this time yeah. have the Avengers kill the X-Men we did that last year have
3: the X-Men kill the Avengers yeah. then. do I have to do everything
1: genius
3: you're the new editor <laughs> yeah, that's right um yeah, and, and so when you're building that kind of universe, you, if you're doing a straight four-color universe, you have the advantage that your players are not going to push at those kind of assumptions, assuming they want to play in a straight four-color universe as right. well. No one is going to say, uh, well, why don't I patent the flying car and yeah. just use my superpower of immense wealth? Yeah, yeah. They're going <laughs> to say, no, I'm going to use my flying car to stop bank robberies. There's, there's a great bit in, in, a, um, uh, in a Flash Uh, comic where the rogues gallery after Barry Allen has died is having a reunion and they invite um, uh, uh, Wally West to it and they're, they're getting steadily, more and more steadily drunk and talking about how great Barry was. And he's like, look, in this room, we can control heat, cold, electromagnetic radiation, the weather. You can transmute elements. You have uh, a hyper uh, technology from the 40th century. And Barry Allen got in our heads and all we would do is rob jewelry stores. <laughs>
0: well, and that's... Uh <laughs> That was one of uh, that they took off on that in uh, the Wanted comic book too. Yeah. Um, with you know, between all of us, once we could get along together, there wasn't much we couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and and you know, part of it is okay. Well, do you want to have your universe operate like Superman, or do you want to have it operate like Miracle Man? Because Superman is oh, I'm gonna get kittens out of trees and stop train wrecks and you know, kind of stick all these band-aids on the, uh, the the surface injuries of the world, and Miracle Man's like, I'm going to take over the world, and there won't be bad people. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah we, we did that, actually, in Godlike, where the, uh,
4: I believe it was New Georgia or something. Basically, uh, it's based on a kind of similar true story where a, a Japanese grenade lands amidst a bunch of soldiers and the captain is miraculously untouched. They all, everybody else in the squad dies. The captain walks away covered. Basically, in, in Godlike, he rips open his shirt and goes, this is a job for Superman. Yeah, and, you know, he's yes. dressed as Superman, and he decides he's going to disarm all the Japanese troops, not kill them. Yeah. You know That would be bad. So he, he runs around, steals all the rifles, and breaks them, and kills all the. the starts destroying marine landing craft. And mm-hmm. there's no more war here. We're going to build houses and settle down, because that's what Superman would do. And they can't stop him. He's, he can lift tanks. and um, So the special uh, special service department that handles talents, they they come in with a green rock.
1: <laughs>
4: and, and when his powers are, are taken away, they lobotomize him. And poor Superman spends his time in Petaluma, kind of eating uh, baked beans uh, for the rest of his life. But the idea of just carrying that to is. Trying to put an altruistic character in an alt history—we all got back to the killing, like everybody wanted. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to just take a black and white character and slam him into a real alt history is going to lead to nasty, bloody, awful things eventually. Maybe not from him, but you couldn't just take Superman from the classic DC comics and shove him into the Cold War. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. It would be fun, and it would lead to really cool things. But
2: you know, lots of people would die. But that's because Godlike had a really specific goal. You know, it had a really specific sort of ethos, you know, what it was trying to do and the kinds of stories it was trying to tell. And, you know, if you want your alternate history to be the one where the guy is convinced he's Superman, even though he's not, and um, he starts messing up all the Marines' operations and the Marines are okay with it, you know, well, that's great. It's your game, you know. And Wild Talents has lots of handy little excuses you can (laughs) throw in as to why the Marines are okay with it.
3: Or why at least they've got bigger fish to fry.
2: Yeah. yeah, or that's true, you know, something like that. But, you know, and then, then, should, then you, can tell, you can tell the still story, that's story that's not quite yeah. so dark, you know. But, but be, uh, uh, be uh, purposeful about it as a game master especially, well, you know. Yeah, there's another great reference, which is Alan Moore's Top Ten, yeah.
4: which it, which is strangely optimistic. Like, I read it, and I'm just like, oh, the dog-headed lieutenant. When are you ever going to learn? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I, I, seriously, it's like uh, it's like I'm reading a Peanuts comic, except everybody has superpowers, and, you know, oh, well, you know, it's Godzilla, Bob. He's on the loose again. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Godzilla, I'm going to go tell your mom if you don't stop rampaging. Oh, okay. You know, 17 stories tall, and wanders off to the battery and goes to sleep uh, in, in Clinton Park, and everybody's happy. Um, but... What I love about the book is it's just a normal everyday Joe going to work, except they all have superpowers and somehow it all works, um, and and it just feels right. Uh, I, and yeah. I, I mean, Moore is a genius, but uh, having That's said that, help. that, yeah, yeah that yeah, certainly helps. helps but <laughs> yeah. I could see a really fun police procedural. Uh, powers is the dark end of that. Mm. Powers would yeah. be godlike version. Uh, top ten would definitely be wild talents with kind of uh, all the dials turned up to fun Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, you know I can see either one of those things using the same mechanical systems uh, and and getting a completely different feeling from the players Uh, but essentially they're the same thing yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, they have the um, uh, the the DC has their um, what was it, what's it called? It's called Gotham Knights or something. Where they got the the Special Crimes Unit of the Gotham City Police Department that's <laughs> always pissed off when Batman shows up because he's always wrecking everything. Oh, this is job. Yeah.
0: All right. So, does anyone have any um, open-ended questions that we can just riff off for a few minutes? You, sir. Um,
1: I was just thinking that. In terms of, if you want to maintain a history, wouldn't essentially a balance of powers be where it's at? You just, you know, for every good guy that can take everybody's weapons away, every bad guy, you can give them back. So it, it's a net zero effect of the superheroes, and that makes the individual people more important.
0: That was one of Ken's, uh, you know, sort of patches on it. And yeah, if you want to do it that way, it's like, okay, yeah, well, you know, the reason that Superman didn't win, uh, you know, World War II was that there was someone just as bad on the yeah. other side. The German Superman. Yeah. yeah. Lex Luthor. Yeah,
3: yeah. the, uh, the yeah, I mean, certainly deterrence, there's, you know, 40 years of history that indicates it works okay, uh, you know, as long as you're not Vietnamese. Um, <laughs> not the, ideal. <laughs> But, but you know, Metropolis and Moscow are fine, so I guess it's all right. The, uh, the, the, the Again, if you start building a world like that, you are, you are, you're making a decision about what your world is going to look like. And if the reason you're building that world is to explain why Superman doesn't take over, it might be easier to say Superman doesn't take over because he was raised by nice Kansas people, and that's not what we do. <laughs> because once you start saying there is a Stalinist Superman, yeah. you are going to be making some really strong decisions about your world. And if you have a Stalin Superman who then doesn't take over, now you've got two problems instead of just the one and explaining him by he was raised nicely is not going to work. So you, you, you sort of need to make sure that you're solving the problem that you're setting out to solve as opposed to solving a problem that didn't exist beforehand. Certainly if what you want to tell is a story of a super cold war, in which there are, for every Justice League, there is an injustice society, and for every Avengers, there is a, a whatever the hell they oh, have Hydra. in the Avengers, a Hydra, um, then you are definitely able to tell that kind of story, and you can make it terrific, as the Captain America vs. Hydra stories of the 60s and 70s, which were literally the Cold War in superhero land, uh, prove that they're phenomenal stories, and there's a lot of great thematic meat you can get out of them all, all the way from you know Captain America punching you know AIM, uh, w- w- which is basically the sort of the Project Paperclip communists, uh, all the way up to you know uh, Starenko's work on Nick Fury with with yep. a very subtle uh, sort of spy fiction trying to take out of that um, uh, out of that genre. Yep. So there's a lot of different directions you can go with that sort of superpowered uh, bipolar universe. But again, I would emphasize that the the, the job of Especially in a superhero universe where the decisions you make are going to have effects is know what you 're trying to do first and then decide to do it
1: yeah
3: uh, if if you're, if, you're, if your problem is you know why is Superman nice it's so much easier to say because Superman is nice <laughs> than to say because these four other things are also true about the world because all of those four things. Are then going to have their own knock-on effects,
0: and then so maybe the knock-on effects are what you want.
3: Yeah, Yeah. yeah, certainly. If what you wanted was bipolar, you know, superhero rivalry, so that every single super character is potentially a a pawn in the in the great game of of global power, that can be a terrific game.
0: Well, it's one of the things that I mean. The reason I set up Progenitor as I did, with the powers being contagious, was that there was one particular thing in comics that I wanted to you know sort of pick at for. Hundreds and hundreds of pages, which is the connection between the hero and the villain, right? And how? Okay, well, uh, this this lone gunman created Batman, but then B- Batman created the Joker, and that you know it was Spider-Man who was responsible for the Green Goblin. And there are always these you know there's this recurring motif of. You know, the villain creates the hero, or the hero creates the villain, and they're stuck together mm. and they're responsible for each other no matter how much they fight or hate each other. And part of that was that I wanted to set something up where the relationship was deeper than I'm going to kill the villain and take his death right. Because that's so often the, uh, you know, the, the gamer assumption is that, you know, okay, well, uh, I don't want this guy coming back for me later. So I'm going to kill Darth Vader and be swinging that red lightsaber around myself because it's great. And so I'm like, okay, how can we set this up so that there's a much more rational reason for them to not just wipe out the the villains? Other than, you know, one go-to reason is, well, they just can't do it. You know, the villain's very tough, but I wanted to get beyond that. I wanted it to be, you know, there's... There are reasons they would not want to. They feel responsible that, you know, well, if it wasn't for me, and this was what came up in my own, uh, my own progenitor game was the players created this extremely dangerous uh, guy. They empowered him. And, uh, you know, the power he got was, oh, if I say to someone, you're going to die now, that person dies. And this guy was a freedom rider in the South during the Civil Rights Movement, and suddenly the shoe is on the other foot for the Ku Klux Klan, but as soon as he figures out he has this power after some disasters, they're like, wait, we made Death Man? That that hitchhiker we picked up and played all those stupid pranks on is now Death Man? (laughs) and so the way I ran that game was I really just said okay I'm just going to give these guys huge powers and not tell them it's contagious and see what they do with them and then I am just going to say okay oh you want more rope to hang yourself try this rope (laughs) it's nylon well the the other the other really cool thing They, uh, they wound up Setting off an uh, international incident by, uh, fly, by teleporting into <laughs> Israel to kill a guy who was convinced he was Jesus and could bring the dead back to life. <laughs> that sounds like the beginning of the end of the world
4: to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, another really cool thing is, is just building in the rules and consequences to the nature of power. And that's kind of what Greg did in Progenitor. It's what I did in like. It, The Like. How the powers exhibit... What are the rules of the powers? Progenitor has a very clear kind of geometric progression down to nothing from the top, from the epitome. Um, And so you know it's going to play out at some point. The government went, oh, okay, this is going to run out at 96, or blah, blah, blah. Uh, And God-like, it was more like, um, if we tell them they're really sucking, they'll stop, their powers will stop working. If we can convince them that they're awful and bad people, they get really depressed, and then they can't fly and shoot people uh, with their mind beams. So let's try that. Um, so uh, that's a way you can go about solving your problem at the very beginning. X-Men, it's genes. They're red. It's the secret X factor that's passed down. And when you crossbreed, you get weird power combinations. That's a rule set right there. That's... That's a nature. Um, it's not as clear <laughs> as you might imagine. I mean, you know, Jean Grey and Cyclops have a kid who turns out to kind of have weird powers. Reed Richards, same thing. Oh, he's the ultimate powerful child ever. Um, but having said that, it is an established rule. So, you know, a player would, playing that game as an X-Men would assume that uh, if, if they had a child with another mutant there's a chance that that child would have immune ability.
2: If you're looking to, um, if you're looking for sort of reasons to, to rein in the effect on history, you know, the one thing to remember is History is really, really complex, and, and huge. there are a lot of. And, and, and I say that, and that's a stupid thing to say. Obviously, history is complex. My, my point is. <laughs> you disgust me. <laughs> it's complex. <laughs> there, there, Ken. He disgusts again. <laughs> us all. So, but there are there are so many forces at play that changing one thing usually is not going to be sufficient to change everything. You know. Um, even if you even if your player characters, if you're if you're if your Superman and your group kills Hitler, there was a lot more going wrong in Nazi Germany, you know, and Hitler was sort of epitomized all of that and seized on it and played it to his advantage and to the world's woe yeah.
3: but Himmler and Bormann and, Ger- and Goebbels are all, thank God you killed that yeah, bad I man have,
2: right, right <laughs> no, kind of crazy man who was holding us back <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, sue for peace <laughs> you know, so uh, there, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's, a, that, that's sort of pushing history in the direction it was already going even if your individual people do individual things to other individual people yeah
1: Uh, I remember uh, there was a Justice League movie at one point where um, they find out that someone had gone back in time and changed history, given the uh, Nazis um, all these super weapons and giant robots.
3: Sounds like my boy, Per (laughs) Découton.
1: I remember, it, like at the end of the movie, the uh, the new leader was taken out, uh, disabled, whoever And they're like,
2: "Well, what are we gonna do now?" They turn to the cryogenic uh, Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always the a solution, to, right? Goes <laughs> right back to normal. Hitler 12. What do we do <laughs> now? You know, yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, have, having it having it always reboot to the default to me is less interesting than looking for the, per- the next permutation, you know. So, I mean, I wouldn't be in favor of bringing, hi- bringing the replacement Hitler out of storage as opposed to, you know, okay, now Himmler's taking over or, or whatever, you know, and and seeing how things are still going to kind of go wrong. They'll just go wrong a little differently. Yeah? Um, well, I'm, even if the world is stable, um, you've got a group of people who are coming to your house every week or every few weeks. Expecting to have some effect on the world. Oh yeah. Um, so even if even if you set the world as being fairly static, you have to assume you will have some effect. Yeah. It, it seems like you either need to choose
4: where the weak parts are in the world that they're going to wreck, um, or you're going to be frustrated when they either are bouncing off the limitations you put on the world, or uh, they start taking things.
3: Well, I mean, it's, it's,
2: you, you can't remove an agency from
3: the players. It, it's always important yeah. to get player buy-in as to what kind of world you're, you're telling, right? I mean, if you're telling a world that is like uh, DC or Marvel Universe, where no, pretty much no matter what happens, no matter how many alien invasions there are, no matter how many advanced guerrilla societies or super tech uh, <laughs> uh, countries are found in the middle of Africa, no matter how many giant robots are built by North Korea, everything is still going to work out pretty much the way that it always has. And if the players have bought into that, because that is what virtually every comic book ever written is about, you can play games where the individual agency is just about putting you know, the mirror master behind bars. If you have written a backstory in which Batman killed Hitler and our man invented nuclear fusion and whatever else then they're absolutely going to be expecting to be able to change the world, and you need to be able to riff with that. And the nature of the response you give to their world changing is going to derive not from any spurious notion of logic, but from the theme and tone of the game that you have agreed to play. So if you have agreed you're going to play a game where you're really looking at questions of morality and power, like Miracle Man, Mm -hmm. then you can feel free to have them say, you know, we're going to end famine. And it's like, oh, great, there's huge overpopulation. Now what are you going to do, jackass? (laughs) Um, Or whatever. But if they're playing a different sort of a game, a game of... uh, you know, uh, sort of uh, an authority type game where super fascism is actually a good idea, then you can just say, We're ending famine, which is caused by that, you know, Committee of Evil White Guys um, in Famine Incorporated. And you can have a great fight with the Committee of Evil White Guys and Famine Man and they're, and, and Blight Boy. And um, the uh, Faminator. They're, 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 and the Faminator. I hate that guy. Reveal. Um, uh, and they're going to beat him up, and then famine will be ended, and then you can present the world as being demonstrably better because of their actions. And there is a terrific game that no one has ever apparently read uh, called Under, uh, Underground by Ray Winninger. Oh, of course
4: I've read that. Yeah.
3: I know. The title is Ray, Ray Winninger's, Winninger's Underground. <laughs> Underground. But it is one of the they only games on, yeah. that actually has, uh, as part of the experience system, a metric by which you change the world. Change the world. Yeah. Right, and nobody has done that in, in um, uh, superhero games and, since then, really. And it's got wonderful villains like Atomic Kennedy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a it's a it's a fantabulous satire of where Ray saw American politics going in 1987 or it's pretty something. pretty accurate at <laughs> Much of it is appallingly accurate now. But uh, the but but the but the the reason to look at it is not necessarily for the quality of the satire, which is quite high, but for the fact that there are mechanics for superhero activity changing the world and these are the kinds of questions that if you're going to play a game about super activi- superhero activity changing the world you need to present those questions mechanically because players will not uh, put up with GM it, fiat. Well, they will not engage in something where the rewards are inconsistent, yeah. right? Mm. And yeah. so the GM fiat, as long as the GM fiat is consistent and as long as they can suss out a logic, all right, if we kill Mugabe, we'll make Zimbabwe better, but killing Putin won't make Russia better. And they right. can sort of figure out that there's a, a sort of a level of historical badassery that <laughs> you know makes you immune to being wiped out by superheroes. Right. Or they can say, you know, all right, killing anybody doesn't ever make anything better because that's not the way Morality works in a superhero universe, and so what you have to do is go to Zimbabwe and raise up you know um, a decent government lad from the slums of Harara and, and uh, you know give pussy riot superpowers in Russia so that they can um, uh, um, uh, 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 unite Russia behind tiresome uh, uh, punk rock uh, you, you will be able to. Um, sort of have a, a sense of where the story logic and where the GM's logic is. But if there's a mechanical structure where it's like, dude, we have to gain 10 power points, 10 experience points, 10 points before we can our, change our a, a, a city of a million people... And that's what we have to do, and we can go, and then that liberates player creativity, because they're like, okay, I'll bet we can get a point if we go and we beat up the people who are messing with this food co-op, or we can get a point if we go and we kill all the heroin traffickers, or we can, and then they'll be able to figure out ways to... to drive the story in the way that they want to, if you have a mechanical backdrop for it. Right. And again, nobody does it except Ray. So you know. And,
4: and Ray's abandoned us. Yes,
3: Ray not. has left us. Nobody for, does it in super He's He's gone into the into the gray havens. That's true. Yes. Ray. Um,
0: he's gone. And, into and the I, I kind of see. I, I hear you saying this, and I keep thinking of the uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, which were you know all about taking this iconic character but giving it the arc of okay, well you know in the first movie. Gotham City is just, you know, a, a nest of normal criminals and it's all mobbed up and corrupt and you know he's he's coming in and taking care of that and now okay well so he's put them in check but now the really the the real freaks are coming out at night and you know they they are all inspired and so you know it, there was a very uh you know clear progression through the three movies of okay yeah I want you you really want to take out the mob? You really want to clear out that ecosystem and see what else moves into the niche? Go, Batman, go.
3: Yeah, and again, the, the choices that Nolan makes make logical sense within the Batman universe that he has created, the Dark knight universe. And so you can sort of, if you were playing in that world, you'd have a sense of what happens if you take down Killer Croc or if you, yeah. um, uh, uh, you know, Kill um, uh, the Riddler instead of putting him back in Arkham Asylum again, or whatever it happens to be. So that's what you need to provide for, uh, for for a game in which you are having people, like you say, come to your house every week, expecting to change the world. The other half of that expectation is something that you have to have communicated amongst yourselves, yeah. either before the game starts or during the game. Well, I mean, it's let, a let a it emerge visibly. Yeah, yeah, it's also.
4: Was, oh, sorry, I was just going to say it's also a huge issue to continuously escalate. Yeah. So starting at a small scale uh, would be I would ha- I would almost always prefer that. Even in the Marvel universe, even in the DC universe, I'd go. You're Power Man and Iron Fist. You're trying to clean up, you know, Southern Harlem, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know there's a bunch of drug dealers, and and occasionally you get dragged in by Spider-Man to some crazy over your head situation, and you have to prove <laughs> yourself. That and then guy. and then you finally you know you graduate. I joined the Avengers. I'm in the Fantastic Four. I'm I got my you know. But if you just start out like, Dr. Doom's going to blow up the Baxter building with the Neutronium Ray. You're like, and next week, you know, Annihilus shows up again. To blow up yeah. the
3: Chrysler building. Yeah,
4: yeah you're neutronium like... Neutronium Ray. Yeah, it
2: becomes, it becomes Mad Libs with weird <laughs> words. Right. And a fl- player agency, I think, can serve different purposes in different campaigns, too. Um, Godlike is not about whether the player characters are going to win World War II. They aren't. You know, the godlike is, is, is you know, is about the immediate questions. Are it's not about the big, the big questions. Yeah. 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 It's about the fate of a character, not yeah. about yeah. the fate right. of the world. Yeah, and we
4: set, we, set, we 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 <laughs> consciously set it yes. up that way and Greg yes. did a great job with the mechanics. But I mean the idea in godlike of like we're gonna take Sicily, no, think smaller. We're gonna we're gonna take Mount No, smaller. <laughs> we're gonna take that machine gun nest. Good luck. Maybe.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> you know.
0: You've had your fingers up forever. Yeah, yeah.
2: So. yeah. So, um, do you have any thoughts about like, taking a deeply researched historical uh, setting and letting the players kind of be that initial, um, like getting their powers in, letting them be that,
0: that kind of initial thing that sets history off on it? Oh, know? yeah, that's fun.
3: That that certainly makes that's, your job a lot
0: easier yeah, as was the GM. That's largely how I did it when I, I ran that progenitor game I described earlier. and I established that when they showed up. I had not told them anything about what they were playing. I'm like, just come up with a character who's dying of a terminal illness. And so the first session was just they were a uh, uh, an encounter group, not an encounter group a support group of people who had resigned themselves to you know slowly grimly perishing from. You know, these and they'd all research some horrendous. You know, Are
2: you noticing yeah. a theme? Is it's another ch- Stolzi
0: game. It's yeah, a right. You know
3: what I don't like about Stolzy is it's all bubblegum,
0: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and so, you know, the first session is just them going through their, you know, the, the tailings of their lives and meeting up and talking and trying to talk it out and come to talk. and then this 11-year-old girl shows up from nowhere with her dad and is like, yeah, is this the meeting group for the people who are really sick? And they're like, yeah. I'm just like, I can take that out of you. And forces whatever is harming each of them to emerge as a, a living little monster. And the, you know, and then part of one of the subplots was they were chasing their monsters down. To, <laughs> and, then, and I'm like, okay, let's give you guys some superpowers. What do you want to do? And they're like, we'll read minds. Okay, what else? <laughs> um, can I like have like be really high dexterity? Sure. What else? Super speed? Yeah, keep it coming. Keep it
3: coming. That's so
0: why I just lathered on these powers and I'm like, this okay. Is
4: the point where any sensible players have come to be going, oh. Oh, yeah. Just Batman though. <laughs> Batman. Just Batman. Just Batman's like just saying, Batman. saying, just the infinite weapon that can yep. stop anything. Absolutely.
3: All I need is just the power to be written by the by the by the writer. A lot of ridiculous <laughs> immunity. Right. That's
4: my power.
0: But, so they already knew. They're like, okay, this has its grim and bleak side. And so they're they're all. If I'd just given them the powers to start out with, it would have had a very different tone than having played through their misery before uh-huh. I played through their relief. And so then, when things all went south as a consequence of them having this tremendous power, it was not this huge shock. It's like, okay,
3: now, <laughs> oh, now, right. the, now the shoe. Greg Stoltz. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, I insist that they had fun. One of, the, one of the things that doing that does is it is it lets you collaboratively build the nature of the world uh, in a way that you know sort of. Presenting them with a world that's already been changed does not
1: yeah.
3: uh, we a, a friend of mine ran a game uh, where we were the there was, there was like a, uh, some sort of uh, super string or something fell out of space and like shot through the earth, and so it made the people standing right near it super on one side of the world, and the people standing right near it on the other side of the world super. And that was it. Right. There were like nine superheroes in the world, and they were all really, really badass. Right. And so it's like, all right, what are you going to do? And so I sort of said, I'm going to overthrow Castro. <laughs>
4: He's
3: like, okay. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> right. Screw that
4: guy. <laughs> like, I don't like him. Castro's wily. <laughs> That's right. Really hard to kill. <laughs> um, but, but, but I, 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 I heard <laughs> Road Yeah, yeah. He dodges your super punch. <laughs> Why <What? laughs>
0: <laughs> But but I put LSD.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. we, we made his beard fall out and everything. No, I,
3: um, I. I just ripped him to pieces in a yeah. wind. It worked out much better. No, way. I. Um, uh, another
4: another really fun thing I did was just um, completely invert the superpower thing. I ran a, a game session or two in, in something called Super Agents. Where it's just it, it all focuses on a talent agency, post godlike, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, and um, is this a capital T talent agency? Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, the the super, the end all be all super, flew to Alpha Centauri uh, in the 1970s with his like do while duo, and and left because he had stabilized the entire. He's like, later, I'm gonna go fly to the closest star, Proxima Centauri, see if there's anything around it. I'll be back. And he flew off with... Be like, good. Yeah, with like... <laughs> so like when S- I come F- back, T- he logos... So all the player characters play these really pathetic supers at a third-rate talent agency, getting jobs as like stuntmen. You know, Iron Mike, I can get hit by a car over and, over and over and over again. So I drive cars into walls over and over and over, and over again for TV... You know, uh, we had we had a flat man who could drop... You know, he did children's parties and stuff. <laughs> he could drop the... And uh, Mechanical Joe, who was doing things like building a gateway to the Summer of Love in the backyard. You know, he's completely <laughs> forgot. And then, you know, the, the the landlord, of course, sues the talent. I, I want ownership of this. He's renting this property. I own this portal to 1967. <laughs> um, so, uh, but... And then the super... The penultimate super returns. And it was all about... It was basically... Um, it was it was a comedy. It was Ally McBeal with superpowers or like 902, and it was it was really that's fun. That's the sequel to Godlike. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was really
3: fun watching Iron Mike try and make his car payments. That's, that's the motto of uh, of our dream. Nothing you've ever wanted to do with superheroes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's our job.
1: Um,
3: well, I mean, hell, we did this alive and the rent yes,
4: <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so yeah, it was Godlike, except with all the horrible social awkwardness of actually having a power like that. <laughs> so. You? Uh, yeah. Uh, on the flip side, uh, have any of you guys done a Tim Powers style game where the player's job was to make sure history happened exactly as it was recorded? As however wacky things were on the behind the scenes? Uh, yeah, I ran a time travel thing where people had, you know, people from alternate Earths had powers and would, they called it strip mining. They There were people who were screwing up Earth's to generate technology so they didn't have to do the research on mainline. Um, and so they'd show up and cause things like, you know, Hitler, you, you're really suck at watercolors. You should totally get into this politics thing, <laughs> you know? And, and then it's like, yeah, we got radar. Okay. Right down. Radar. Radar's a good thing. Um, and, they, and so they, they'd ruin thousands of worlds with their little doohickeys that they've gotten from other mainlines. And, and, you know, they have this perfect earth, where everything's provided, and we only had to ruin 647 Earths to get here. It's great. But
2: they're not the real ones. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, so, yeah, time travel, uh, and there was a force trying to restore the timeline um, who also had the equivalent powers. They look like superhumans to everybody else, and they're actually just using powered you know, doohickeys, the uh, sonic screwdriver situation. <laughs>
0: This looks like a job for the do anything man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everything looks like a job for the do yeah. anything yeah. I left it in my other pants. Yeah. That's Don't probably worry, the do anything problem, Ray, can
3: return itself to the right pants. <laughs> yeah. I dropped it. That's probably going to be a problem later. <laughs> yeah, the, um, the 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 notion of using superheroes uh, superpowers to prevent alternate history is I guess sort of uh, skewed skew to the to the theme, but I I've certainly had uh, players in various games um, you know, the time travel games, time patrol type games, where it's like, oh my god, we've shown up, history's off the rails, how do we fix it? And the notion is that you use your superpowers to put things right. It's not, the, the trouble with that is it's not much different from any other super crisis. Oh no, yeah. I've returned here and color king has made everything blue or whatever. You know, <laughs> color there's, king. There's no, there's no fundamental difference in terms of the story, between, oh, it's a world where suddenly Hitler is in charge, to, oh, it's a world where suddenly, you know, peanut butter tastes bad. You know, it's just, (laughs) it's the same exact (laughs) story. (laughs) Find the guy that caused it, punch him a few times, and make it cause bad. Oh, what if I rot? (laughs) Peanut butter tastes terrible. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What are donuts? (laughs) No! Um, yeah that's fun. so the, so the thing is, unless you've got a really good travelogue where the fun of it is they look at the world you're trying to fix, I'm not sure that the, that, that you need to think as hard about that. I mean, you literally can have some trivial, ridiculous thing that's that's wrong with the world because you're going to fix it at the end of the session because that's the point of the session. In terms of thinking about the alternate history, going really crazy and, and doing extrapolation and everything else. A friend of mine ran a Champions game where he and I and another friend of mine spent I don't know how many sessions of the science fiction club writing up this alternate world, right? The diverged with the uh, with the divine wind in 1688, so the you know the glorious revolution went the other way, and we just went berserk and we had world maps and we had flags and we had you know what are the various populations and GNPs and armies of all the countries and of course they show up in that world and it's like oh, well, something's gone wrong. We're going to find the superheroes of this world and beat them up until they tell us what it was. And it was a 10-minute super fight, and they fixed the world and went back. And it's like, well, that, that's ridiculous. I mean, because we're us, I sold that to Steve Jackson as part of Alternate Earths 2, but that's not yeah. always an option that you have. Yeah, I mean, you know, to be, to be, clear, to be, to be
4: clear, you know, Ken does stuff like that over, like, breakfast. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, and the new alternate England is like this, and it will yeah. jot off 12 of those in an afternoon. Yeah, um,
3: but 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 the the point is, unless the the point of the game is a travelogue, there's no real meat to that, I think, and and so you could do it as as a thematic element, like your every one of your stories is about you know removing something that is part of our world, and you're sort of doing a Japanese portrait of the world, like the world with all these things gone is different in these different ways, but again. You're, you'd you be thinking on a very large scale thematic sense not on a world as it is to be lived in because you're not living in the world you're just sifting through the world looking at the guy to hit. <laughs>
4: Are you him? No. no. Okay.
3: <laughs> you sure? I look like him, dude. Totally no. Just hit him anyway. <laughs> I just, I just like to wear the bike shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just white <like> capes. <laughs> this is an alternate history where everyone wears capes. Haven't you got <laughs> <No>. that yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> this,
2: is, this is player characters we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. are yeah. gonna get punched. Yeah. yeah. People are gonna get hurt. <laughs> what else?
0: Sir? Are there any
1: historical periods that are especially good
0: for this, or I'll, all of them. For, for, yeah. for 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 what specifically? I would argue the historical period that's especially good for this is the one you know the most about and are most interested in, because you'll be able to portray it, uh, you know, skillfully. That you'll know that you'll say, okay well, yeah, you know, if the bakufu can collapses, well, you know, it's just going to be a return to the warring states period, and, you know, you won't have all these ronin running around because now the samurai will all be gamefully employed. But was, So, you know, if you know your feudal Japan, that's what you want to play in. If yeah. you know your Italian Renaissance, that's where you should you know, play to your strengths. Yeah, you know, you generally, you don't want to be like,
3: and then the Scythian Superman does. <laughs> it's, it's just going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be a little too obscure for most people to kind of... I mean, I mean, I, I think that certainly, you know, what you know and what your players are going to be interested in are the two big questions that you have to answer. The third question I would answer is what eras seem to privilege individual accomplishment over man. mass accomplishment? Because the superheroic story is the story, godlike accepted, of individual accomplishment. <laughs> That's right? So bitter. The, the point of it is that, you know, one man with one right cross can fix things. That's what superheroes have been about since 1938. Well, really, since 1910 when they invented Zorro. But the, the point is that that is what the, the mythos is about. And so in Wild Talents, I suggest a couple of few places where it looks more like superheroes than not. So uh, you look at, say, McKinney in Greece. And the cult of the hero. You look at uh, Renaissance Italy and the perfect human, the the the, the, the rise of the of the of, the, uh, of um, Castiglione's the courtier, the guy who can do anything, and you're literally the Renaissance man. You look at um, uh, Tudor England and Shakespeare's creation of the individual personality as a as a thing to be celebrated in art. And over and over and over, there there are some periods and some parts of the world where you can look at it and you can say, okay, this is where one guy is badass. You know, the Wild West in America. Um, and then you can look at other eras, and you say, superheroes in late period Ming, China. <laughs> hmm. I don't see it. It's It's all about grinding individuality down. And when one guy does have the superpower of I can talk to Jesus. Yeah. The result is the Taiping Rebellion and about 35 million people dying. Yeah. So you don't really want to do superheroes in Ming China because there's not a lot for them to do unless you're taking the thing and turning it around and you're saying, okay, Ming China is the universe and we're inside that universe. We're not trying to change that universe. And that is what Wuxia film all is, is superheroes in Ming China but they're not trying to alter the history. What they're trying to do is do the standard superhero narrative, which is reactionary, which yeah. is history's just fine until the frickin' Joker starts messing with it. Yeah. And what he needs is a good punching in the face.
4: Yeah, and then there's there, there's also the, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's not considered superhero that I would, you know, Highlander. Yeah, right. A, the secret history. Mm-hmm. Everybody's hiding. Vampire, the masquerade, yeah, is, yeah, is right. a, you know, nice black <laughs> agent. Right, yeah. You, you know, you're... Don't expose the superhero. We, yeah. we have
0: to control our own. We have to keep them quiet. But if we really had a guy who could see through walls and hear what was happening in the Kremlin, do you think we'd put a cape on him? Yeah, would we know anything about that?
3: Yeah. He'd just be a guy who goes to work in Fort Meade every day. Yeah, yeah. Has a really good dental plan. <laughs> I mean, so when you what's Putin up to today? Oh, <laughs> you don't want to know. He's wrestling a bear, <laughs> having sex with a ballerina. This is the best job ever. <laughs> um, at once. Well, <laughs> so so the thing is to look at at, at at an era, and if it's an era that you that you know well, and you think the players are going to react well, and it doesn't immediately look like there's going to be a role for superheroes in it. Look to find that role. So if you're doing, you say, I know Ming China really well because I've watched all the Wuxia films. My players are really into it. You start looking for a place where superheroes can maybe make a difference, even in Ming China. And so you maybe you move it all the way down to the Boxer Rebellion, or maybe you move it uh, down to the Opium War, right, where all of a sudden the, the, the ultimate mass conformity culture is meeting the ultimate cult of the individual who can do anything. And so the superheroes are the guys who literally, it would be an inversion of the Dark Knight because you've got a perfect society and a bunch of the Jokers are showing up to do drugs and burn down your buildings. And you have to sort of become the, the wuxia version of Batman to stop these um, way-faced media invaders from, uh, from causing trouble. And Only it, the boxers yes, can save us. Right. With, 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 their light with the their, their harmonious fist. <laughs> and with any given era, I mean, obviously, because uh, historical eras are not cartoons, they're not, you know, paint with a broad brush. With any given era, you can find a narrative of individual power or individual importance, you know, you can, or, and you can celebrate the, unec- the, the unexpected celebration or you can celebrate whoever. So maybe you say Tsarist Russia, the guys who are the superheroes are the nihilist uh, anarchists who are running around trying to blow up the Tsar all the time. And so you're playing sort of a, you know, a a rogues gallery game against the faceless minions of the Okrana, and the Okrana are like the Hydra in your setting, except the government owns them, and that would be kind of a... they're legit, (laughs) yeah. and, And that would be kind of a neat look at superheroes, and so... Even if your players are not real fans of 19th century Russian politics, you say, "Dude, you're playing—you know—you're playing Magneto and his League of Evil Mutants rebelling against a police state. Isn't that awesome?" And they say, do I "Oh, get, I think that'd be awesome." Do
0: I get to waste secret policemen with my heat vision? Yeah. Do,
3: do you ever. <laughs> Except no one in Russia can have heat vision. <laughs> it's a racial thing. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, so once you've looked at an era that you care about. You think your players can care about? it, You think you can get them to care about? It. You can find a superhero narrative, but certainly it's easier to find superhero narratives in eras where we've already mythologized the heroic individual. Yeah, and not, yeah. either we, the Americans in the 21st century, have done it where it did not exist, or they did it back then in their own culture, like you know, Homeric Greece or Renaissance Italy.
4: It's no surprise superheroes are, you know, and comic books are are like a truly American.
3: Creation.
2: Yeah, and and again the 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 contrast there the contrasting thing there is if you're trying to do a game like Godlike, which is an anti-superhero game. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, Godlike it's 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 an it's an interesting contrast. Godlike is is a game where whenever whenever I'm giving a pitch for it. Um, I usually have to preface it by saying how it's not like all the other superhero games because if you're if you're here to sort of play a classic superhero game, Godlike's not likely to punch your buttons, you know. So um,
0: you are going to die. Yes. Well, that's the thing,
2: you know. People usually and stay that If they're way. drawn, <laughs> if they're drawn to mutants and masterminds or champions, you know, or villains and vigilantes, or you know, Silver Age Sentinels, or insert game here. Um, you know, the, the the way Godlike plays out is likely to be kind of jarring, unless they're buying into it specifically to play in a game that's about, um, you know, what's it like to be these characters with these weird powers in a world where they can't have that kind of agency at large, you know.
3: Have and, you ever wondered that, what it would it be like, like, to, like for to roleplay the, the Flash? flash? How about what it would be like to role play the Flash after he stepped on a landmine?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Godlike is for you. Godlike is for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and but that's a different. There's a different kind of you know dramatic calculus at play there than in sort of the the superhero story that Ken yeah. was describing. You know very effectively there. So I think that's a good that's a good opening choice to make. You know, are you are you wanting to play? The sort of superhero mythology, and thats that 's its own kind of alternate history. are you wanting to play one where the great man theory of history has been discredited, and we 're going to talk about you know the little the little moments um, that's that 's a really different game of its own dennis 's talent agency yes. yeah
4: yeah I, um, yeah, I think there 's a lot more left to be explored in superheroes. I think people keep beating the same drums, um, but it doesn 't mean. Um, you know the drums we beat are the correct ones. Um, they're fun. Uh, I have a good time writing this stuff. Um, but I, I'd say don't don't stop trying to explore outside the standard medium. I'd say DC and Marvel are a great example of let's do it again, boys. They're they're kind of stuck in a in a death knell circle
3: a lot of the time. Yeah, they're they're very much farm-raised shrimp. I mean, yeah. there's nothing wrong with farm-raised shrimp. Yeah. You go get shrimp cocktail anywhere in Vegas. You'll eat farm-raised shrimp, yeah. but there's other things, There's other seafood in the world. Yeah, right? and, ca-
4: and occasionally they pull out a Maine lobster. You know, mm, they'll, yeah. they'll they'll have like the Ultimates. It's mm-hmm. just amazing. Brian Hitch and Mark Miller. It's just incredible. And then it's like, up oh, here we are again in the Fever War. Okay, one more time. But it's um, the Ultimates this time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and and comics keep reinventing themselves. There's more and more better and better weird self-produced comics
3: and even even in the in, in the mainstream universes you follow, you can find an individual creator you know that is going, doing something interesting oh, nine yeah. times out of ten uh, Gail Simone's um, uh, uh, secret six. Series where it's sort of six C list bad guys who are, just hang out because they don't really have any choice about yeah. it because they're the only people who can tolerate each other <laughs> in the whole universe, and so it, they're taking these you know low rent supervillain gigs and getting screwed over. It's like sort of super Shadowrun yeah. with that same <laughs> level of the corporate man is going to grind your neck. Well, yeah. Why do they call him Mister Johnson anyway? <laughs> yeah. And so and, and so what she does is she presents it while still. Having those superhuman narratives, but she's really focusing on the human aspect, right. not so much the super. And the powers are still an important part of the story because they're part of what defines the characters as they are, but she's able to drive it in a different way. So you can look at individual story arcs or individual things. You look at, say, uh, Robinson's uh, run on uh, Starman way back in the wild where he invented a new Starman just as an excuse to explore what is a super city likely to be yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, that was... And, and, that, and that's, a, that's a different question. That's not one that we've really had a lot of in superhero comics. Yeah, the, um,
4: a game I ran recently was just set in a super prison in Wild Talents, uh, which is an undisclosed location. You're teleported there, mm-hmm. uh, and your family or your friends are given a stipend, and they study you. That's the deal. Yeah. If, you, if you murder a guard, if you, then they start getting serious about kind of dealing with you. Otherwise, you're just in the facility and you're free to do what you want. And it all played as a conspiracy. Uh, and also, uh, a supervillain was known to have ripped off like a quarter of uh, Fort Knox. Like he took a quarter of the gold. No one knows where it is. He's there, and right. everybody's trying to get it out of him yeah. without breaking any of the rules, so they lose out on this. Sort, party. Of, sort
3: of Oz the prisoner. Yeah, yeah, and,
4: and you put superpowers in there, and then there's another subplot where someone's stealing powers. Yeah. Whether stu- the studies are, you know, oh, he's dead. What happened? I don't know. You know, and it's he's like dead. I last saw him with that doctor guy. <laughs> you know, and everybody's comparing stories.
3: Doctor so- Silar? He's innocent. <laughs> <laughs> he has the power of super innocence. That's exactly. You would a- think if you thought he had powers, which I don't. But right.
4: but I mean I mean the point there is you just grab a you grab a. A common idea, and you you insert superpowers and try and come up with some interesting interrelationships and hit go, and the players have a good time.
3: Which is basically, you know, that's the general case, and then the specific case is take a historical era you care about, you're interested in, add superheroes yeah. to it, and then you can either add them like you were saying. This is the starting point. Leonardo da Vinci has given everyone superpowers. Yeah. Go. This is what Florence is like. Now, what is the rest of Italy gonna be? What's the rest of the world yeah. gonna be like? Or you say there have been superpowers up and on in the world forever, but thanks to a rediscovered Byzantine scroll, we can access them you know in such and such you a want way. One? And you're you know and so you're in the silver age of superpowers. It just happens to be Renaissance Italy, not nineteen fifties America. And then you know, if you take that era, whatever that era is that you care about, you're going to be able to know sort of where superpowers might be able to slide, and then it's going to be like I was saying, the question is is this, is the history driving the story, or is the story driving the history? And again, that's a decision you're gonna to want to make on your own. The panel is kind of, <laughs> of a clear. The panel is kind of about the other one, but you can certainly play a great game with the first option.
1: I just wanted to mention that I'm playing a really fun game where the superheroes they're super, but there's no question about it, because without any Without any gadgets at all, they can go toe-to-toe, but it's in a, in a kind of far future where well got the bad guys have these like super exoskeletons that can go toe-to-toe with superheroes. So even though they affect the world, they don't overshadow it. And the only difference is they don't need all the, they don't need all the focuses and stuff to get their stuff done. So they're a little more effective than the normal guy in an exoskeleton because no one knows that, oh, look, those guys can tear through walls without thinking
3: about it. Unless, I guess they say, how come that guy's wandering around with no exoskeleton?
4: (laughs) Kill the guy without the exoskeleton. Go beat him up and take his money. (laughs) Oh, oh,
3: the humanity. Why? Why do I always do that?
4: (laughs) The anti-mugging exoskeleton. If I was one of those guys,
3: I'd be like, No, I'm getting the exoskeleton too. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the exoskeleton lets me fly, and I can already shoot lasers out of my eyes. So I'm twice as awesome. We <laughs> tried. It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> no, the uh, the uh, and, and again, that's that's part of the question of how how super uh, you know how super are individuals in your setting, and if you're deliberately constructing a setting with whatever kind of constraints, technological, social cultural, magical constraints against, you know, um, uh, the, the, the complete Nietzschean Superman, the beyond good and evil guy, uh, then you are, uh, you're, you're, that's the game you wanted to play, is, is one with those constraints in it. And I guess the question is, in that universe, what is interesting about being a guy you know who without a phone can make a phone call yeah you know, it's like yeah. all right that's nice but I don't know that I have different adventures than my normal adventures yeah, yeah. right you know I can I, I can telepathically communicate with Greg because I have his phone number yeah.
4: <laughs> it depends on how expensive the phone is <laughs> yeah, right. yeah yeah.
3: yeah. Trying to, trying to, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
4: Verizon right. is Hydra It <laughs> <is> totally works <laughs> out that's
3: right you have those maps of coverage yeah like, we have to go here to Montana <laughs> to be safe from Hydra okay we're on edge. We're good. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. I'm t They can't track yeah. That's awesome. <laughs>
4: this stuff writes itself. It's Someone awesome. write that down.
2: Um, just specifically for the books, um, Nulls and Zeds seem like they were kind of presented as a as a way to damp things down. Yeah, you know, kind of an instant. Was that,
4: was that if sort of a hand 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 you to the GMs of all right, they're getting a little out of hand. No, uh, uh, of hand I, I honestly wrote in Zed's as um, people start considering the nature of the powers and then what powers would come out of people starting to consider the fact that there are people who have superpowers and they understand that the nature of those powers are odd. So what the, would, the recursionator. Yeah, what, what, what would happen when someone actually started you know living in a world where they go, okay, well, every once in a while someone can fly? Uh, and the reason they can fly is because they can believe they can fly. Uh, so maybe I'll be one of those people someday. And, you know, what would naturally occur? The next step would be, like, uh, I could stop him from flying. Or, uh, you know...
2: No, you, no, you can't.
4: Yeah, okay. yeah. Yes, I'm going to yes, make you not do that. Um, no, you can't. Yes, I can, can, can. So, can. so I mean, that's one of, that, that was one of the benefits of the godlike background is it, it is it is meta. It's extremely meta, like the idea of Goldberg scientists... It's just absurdly meta. It's like, I built a jetpack. Wow, we built a jetpack. You can't see the jetpack, it doesn't work. Holy crap. That sucks. We were just going to mass produce this thing and take over the Russian front. Um, but it fits with the nature of the powers and it's kind of, of These parts are just drawing. Parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Why is this hair dryer
2: in here? That's, that's literally part of yeah. the setting. Yeah. Some of these parts are just drawing. Yeah. Well, I but, but, n- but with net, so with Zeds, I mean, it was you. You got to there just sort of extrapolating, yeah. not with a particular plot okay. course in yeah. mind. It sounds like
4: yeah, it was a, it was more of a uh, meta decision of just kind of like considering the nature of power, what would happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that kind of drove the way that the game got played. Yeah, and Mad Talents are a very other clear example of that. It's it's like I have power. That's really freaking amazingly powerful, and no one can stop me. But I'm so self-obsessed and lost in my own world that I can't use it to any great effect. I, I'm a living house. Work.
0: The only thing that can stop me is me. Yeah. I am my own nemesis,
4: and I hate him, and <laughs> he's <to> me. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so this, you know, imagine a, a recursive loop of power that doesn't go anywhere. It's basically it. Any
2: other questions, things people wanted to chime in and talk about? of you, you ever played, like, in a game of, like, kind of a generational thing where, like, you play in one time period and you're, you know, these, these characters and development or whatever, and then, like, you kind of skip forward and maybe some of those, depending on the players decisions, are maybe now villains or whatever.
4: Yeah, yeah. I played international super teams mm-hmm. with a friend. Uh, it was a GERPS book that came out that was pretty neat. And we played in the 40s and then we played
3: in the late 60s and then in the 1990s. and it's cool. I ran a uh, Truth and Justice game uh, that had one session every decade. Oh, cool. And the player characters, I said, were starting in the 1860s. Give me immortals, people who will not die during the course of the game. And so one player came up with uh, Sir Bors, who achieved the grail, and, and so he became immortal, and one was like the... The, 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 the son of the Japanese goddess of snow, so he's a demigod, so he's not gonna die. Another guy was a time traveler from the future, uh, and so his tachyon field would just prevent him from aging. And so every decade, uh, was a adventure that was characteristic of that decade's pop culture. Oh, cool! My my friend Josh says all games that I run are either Declare or Planetary, and <laughs> the, the, the job of the players is to figure out which one it is earlier.
1: <laughs>
3: this one was very much Planetary. Yeah. So in the 1860s we did a Western. In the 1870s or in the 1860s we did a, a Vernian Voyage Extraordinaire. In the 1870s we did a Western. In the 1880s we did a melodrama. In the 1890s we did an uh, Edisonade. Or and then it just kept going down, and so in the nineteen you know seventies, uh, uh, we did a dystopia. Uh, the nineteen teens was Edwardian children's literature, where Irene Adler was narrating uh, a, a, a children's adventure to the children of the characters. That's awesome. That they were sort of playing in. So we, that is uh, and the point that makes this relevant as opposed to my game was awesome is (laughs) that they had carte blanche to change the world. And I tried to build mechanics into the uh, truth and justice system that said it takes such and such an amount of super effort to change the world. And you have this budget of super effort based on your character. And since there's going to be a decade between sessions, you can say at the end of the session, this is, what we're going to put our super effort into, and then I would have the week between sessions to figure out what happened to the world, right. and then they would come back and they would say, "Seriously, Clint Eastwood is president? That happened?" <laughs> <That's> <laughs> or really whatever important. it happened to be. So, so uh, well, where is where can I buy this? You can't buy this because yeah. so much of it is um, uh, borrowing people's intellectual property.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, you said
3: borrow. You're gonna, you know, it's
4: borrowing, it's borrowing, it's not, yeah. Yeah. not, really, not really. stealing,
3: per se. But yeah, so it's um, uh, so it was it was a pretty great game. But the but the way that, that that made it work in this sense is that the players were able to drive the changes that their characters had to live with, as opposed to they just were, lived, you know, coming decade by decade and then sitting up and saying, all right, what does height you know come up with now? And they had a degree of buy into the universe. So the guy who was the half who is the, the son of the Japanese snow goddess, was, I'm protecting Japan. I'm putting all my points into making Japan invulnerable. No one's going to beat up on Japan in this history. Oh, cool. And yeah, so it's just mine. a matter of, you know, here's wow. how Japan...
2: That, that can't go wrong. <laughs> no, that worked
3: out like a charm.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and so, you know, other other character. you know, the guy who was the Grail Knight was like, you know, well, you know, the world's going to be properly Christianized if I have anything to say oh, about it. And so, and, and so on and so, so basically on and so on. So basically
4: it was our history. Yeah. It,
3: yeah. It, there were similar... <laughs> and then you know it, it, it just it was it was great fun because he was trying to prevent the global apocalypse that had caused him to be sent back. He was like the John Connor. So he explains the forty years of Tom. No, he was he was uh, the, the the world that he'd been sent back to was a Chinese dominated technocracy, and so it was sort of a Fu Manchu cyberpunk world, and so he was. He was on the alert for the secret psionic Chinese warlords that had set up the whole thing.
4: <laughs> secret
3: psionic Chinese <laughs> warlords.
4: You know, uh, the, we, have an, we had an
3: ad, right? We just, uh, here's our card. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. uh, it, it's, it's a bit, But again, yeah. his job was to sort of, you know, basically fight Fu Manchu for, you know, I don't know how many, right. how many sessions. But that was his goal was to was to sort of prevent that. So he would be sort of the tiebreaker when the Grail Knight and the and the, and the Snow God would would have arguments. Yeah, it's
4: exactly the same world we live in right now. Yeah, pretty much
3: true. identical. And uh, and so it was just a great thing because the players' expectations would be driven by what the genre was. But because it was only one session per genre, yeah. we could get all the juice. Up front and never have to sort of say. It reminds
4: me of uh, Nobilis. Now we're. Yeah, like like, like you're kind
3: of forging reality. mm -hmm.
4: That's cool. So, yeah. Yeah, about six sessions in, you're like, I'm shaping the world.
3: This is awesome. Because they've they've seen what they're doing and they've also begun to see the kinds of, you know, the shifts and the back effects that happen. You know, I'm going to push this and then I'm going to say, all right, this is what pushes back. And so they can start predicting it and working with it or against it. You need to write all this down. So I need someone to pay me to rattle this down, <laughs> Shane.
1: <laughs> um, any suggestions for resources to help you think through uh, the sort of cascading uh, consequences? Yeah, like one of the ones that uh, yeah I think comes up a lot is when you start changing the way economies work. Uh, you know that stuff is mystifying. Yeah. There's so many like follow-on consequences. And you know, it's hard to find books or movies
0: or whatever that are going to kind of map you out how that stuff
3: really works. Well, well, the great thing with, with changing economies is since no one actually knows anything, <laughs> you can reverse justify anything you wanted to have happen.
0: <laughs> and I'll I'll actually double down on that with uh, something out of e um which had this this you know near future history, and it talked about how there were these guys who developed this uh, this brain implant that would turn you into a super economist and you know the first guy who got this is like just running the table and you know is running the economy like it's his own little private garden and then another guy with the implant comes in and it's like oh yeah suddenly now there are uh, now once there's once there's one in play everything's completely predictable once there's two in play no all bets are off once there's five in play it's just chaos <laughs> and It's like in the, this is probably what destroyed the global economy was too many people being too good at figuring out what the unlabeled buttons on the black box do. And again, I mean,
3: you can, you can sort of see that as a parallel to the notion where once you have computer-assisted derivatives trading, and they're making all these trades faster than human beings can intervene, you get 2008, yeah. right? And so you have a, the degree where there's, they, they have nothing like perfect market knowledge, but just faster than human response times. Yeah wind up causing cascade effects Yeah. so literally anything you want to have happen with, econ- with economics with uh, um, uh, high energy physics with any number of sciences that are still sort of hmm you can justify in reverse, because you can find the guy who right now is predicting, if this goes on, we'll all have flying cars. Yeah, yeah. Or you can find the guy who says, if this goes on, we'll all be eating baked beans by candlelight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's the same guy, just yeah. depending on what, you, <laughs> what year you get him. Time movie. of year. we eating baked
0: beans and all yeah. flying
3: cars, <laughs> there's a,
4: there's, depending on who's president. There are two, there are two books that I, I absolutely adore, uh, The Man in the High Castle. Uh, yeah. quite obvious oh, yeah. it's a deep exploration of the axis winning but but it's more emotional and weird and detached as only Philip K. Dick could really pull off and there's a, another wonderful time travel book called Replay by Ken Grimwood yeah. um, which just examines slight cascading changes there's a wonderful situation where the main character comes back in the 60s Tries to prevent the Kennedy assassination by typing a letter saying, you know, from Lee Harvey Oswald, "I will kill you, Mr. President." They arrest Lee Harvey Oswald, and a man named Nelson Bennett kills the president in exactly the same manner. And the main characters left thinking, "Did I? Did was there a conspiracy, or is that nature (laughs) slamming everything back?" Um, But it, it does a wonderful job of just kind of painting slight changes in history cascading.
3: Yeah, in terms of um, books for how to sort of guesstimate at uh, future economies, I would say rather than read a nonfiction book, which is nine times out of ten going to be from uh, for, for not useful for a narrative perspective and is probably not going to give you a if-this-goes-on type... Uh, quality. I mean, you can certainly look at books. Uh, depending on what model you want, you can look at uh, books by uh, various futurists like Jimmy Katschko, or you can look at um, uh, stuff by, you know, depending on your flavor, Krugman or Friedman, uh, as to what you know they consider the big drivers of the economy. But I would suggest looking at, you know, a, a good science fiction novel, regardless of the of the approach. Just set over a hundred. I mean, John Barnes's Kaleidoscope Century is a terrific. Yeah. You know, future history of 100 years. Robert Heinlein obviously wrote a terrific future history. Um, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Charlie Strass, but the other guy. The other Scottish communist. <laughs> <laughs> McLean? Yeah, me, McLean. Yeah. No. Right. Um, Ken McLeod. Ken McLeod uh, uh, has a bunch of future histories that are sort of Uh, economically driven because he's a Marxist and that's how they think. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of strong uh, of of, of strong examples of that kind of thinking that you can use or that you can at least use to riff on. The the thing is that there literally is no agreement as to what happens in economics. I mean, there there are some very strong theoretical schools that are really solid for within their area, but the trouble with economics, like the trouble with uh, a lot of human culture, is that you are engaged in a catastrophic system. So things go along until the the system changes for one or another reason, and then you have to develop a new equilibrium. It's a punctuated equilibrium. It's not a a steady-state model. And so it's hard to say, you know, certainly it's hard to say, what if, you know, Mr. Fantastic decides to, you know, market the flying car... No one knows what that's going to do, except there's probably going to be a lot more people falling out of the sky over New York. <laughs> Smashing into <laughs> buildings on 7th Avenue. But,
2: but, but what that, the upshot of that is, as a gamer, you can, you can fake a lot of stuff without having to do a whole lot of the, the, research. The problem is point of reference.
4: I mean, like, you, loo- you can lose players along the golden brick, you know, like, you're leading down the road, and you're like, mm-hmm. flying cars, flying cars, and they're like, what about that translation machine Reed Richards is working yeah, on? Right. Is that everywhere yet? Uh, okay, yeah, I guess. Well, then that means... And then you're screwed. Dr. Right. Doom, you know, he, and you're like, oh, God. Um, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I have
2: two sources that I'm actually like useful. <clears throat> One is a, For One of a Nail, which does go into some economic issues that take place. They have
3: different things. It's If you've never ever read it, it's more like a textbook than an actual novel. So it can actually get to more detail in a single point of view. that Most of the time you get proper yes. novels. Do you, you do you
2: remember the author?
3: Matt Sobel, okay. I think. Okay. Um,
1: Another one which you could take either way.
0: There's an alternate history discussion board. A lot of dumb, a lot of good, but you can actually
2: talk to people
4: who think just alternate history for their entire life sometimes. They know that history is
3: better than history people sometimes. Or you can can look at a book by um, uh, one of the best historians uh, in the world. Uh, David Hackett Fisher wrote a book, um, and I forget the name of the book, but it's about price revolutions, which is a standard effect of economies, that an economy stays prosperous for a period of time, then something happens and starts inflation, the inflation creates absolutely measurable effects in the society until it creates a crisis that after the crisis is over, a new equilibrium of prosperity is, is reached. And this has happened over and over and over yeah. and over and over in history. And he just sort of says, here are the five times that we have really good data for. This is what happened. Here's my guesstimate as to how far back we can take it, which it turns out to be second millennium B.C. Babylon. Okay. And so once you've read 10... You know, price revolutions. You can sort of fake what a price revolution does in yeah. the 21st century. I mean,
4: the main problem with supers then is uh, they introduce infinite problems. Yeah, they right. don't. They don't introduce finite problems. Doctor Manhattan can destroy the entire global economy. He can destroy the world. He'd be like, here's 25 million pounds of gold. Yeah, um, done. There, <laughs> there, there goes the world economy. It's over. Um, wrap it up, or he can disintegrate the earth 's crust, you know so so the, this is also bad for me yeah 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 um, but but the idea the, I, I guess what i 'm saying is I, I think the idea of worrying very specifically about you know legi- you know I introduce teleporters to JFK and you can go between London and JFK. What would be the economic impact of that might be too micro um, because that that 's just going to change everything That's it 's just off the rails at that point. Um,
2: so controlling that is going to be really difficult. Any other questions? I think we're kind of getting close to one and needing to wrap it up. Yeah. No? Okay, if you, if everybody who, who brought tickets, um, please, please bring them forward so I can report in and we can brag about how many people attended. Write uh, otherwise, thank you very, very much for coming. I'll, I'll raise see? the money. I'll set up the Kickstarter. I'll do the cover. I'll... Thank you. Like, I can already see. The-